we go with the latest SBL shoot around. We take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Etridge joins Chris Wright to bring you another men's SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to another episode of SBL Shootaround. We've made it through four episodes now. We're on to episode five and things are really ramping up. The West Coast Classic has now officially been confirmed, so we can look forward to that. My co-host is now going to be sitting on the bench of one of the clubs involved in that, so that's going to be something to add some interest as well. So we'll talk about that on this week's show. A a very special guest as well and somebody who's got a a fascinating story to share. I'll let my co-host explain more about that shortly. As we revealed last week, we've got our competition to unveil to announce the ultimate SBL championship winning team so we've got our our first bracket sorted and we can go through that later in this show and also as promised we've got our full predictions on what we thought the SBL season in 2020 would have looked like so that sounds like a pretty jam-packed show to me Ben Etridge thanks for joining us once again yeah no basketball is uh definitely back it was uh good to jump in the car and uh head up the hill and have a have a purpose of heading up there for practice and um then on Thursday night, laced up the boots with the old school at um, Warwick Rec Centre and, and got up and down the boards and, and played the first game of social basketball in a while. And it was good to be out there and hear basketballs bouncing and, and people actually enjoying sport we love. And you know, before too long, we'll be in, um, in in battle going going in week in, week out. So looking forward to that. But yep, basketball is definitely back. Yeah, you can certainly feel the excitement lifting when you talk to anybody involved in in basketball. Um, now, let's get straight to the big news of the, of the week. Ben Etridge signing as an assistant coach at the Calamundra Eastern Suns. Does that mean that Mark Utley finally answered that text message? Yeah, I think there was a uh, two-for-one deal at Lowe's up there at uh, the Calamunda <laughs> uh, Shopping Centre, and, and he managed to buy two ties, which um, fits nicely, so... Yeah, no, look, it's one of those things that um, really excited to be up there. Seems like a really great club. Uh, Mark, as you know, Mark and I get on really well and a great bunch of boys. And looking forward to seeing if um, we can build on what they, the great work they did last year. Um, you know, uh, pushed us in the first round of the playoffs. And I think if they can um, be around that mark again, definitely that uh, extra year together is going to put them in good stead. So very excited to be uh, in orange and black. Yeah, their women's program has been really competitive for for a long time. They've made made a grand final and are regularly in the playoffs. And the men's team has been building pretty solidly. I think from where Michael Clark took over, they were pretty much rock bottom. I remember if you go back to those 2013 and 14 teams, you know Luke Neville would come in midway through the season and and take 30 or 40 shots a game, and that was pretty much the game plan. But yeah, Michael Clark was solidly building something, and then. You know, Mark obviously came in last year and took it to another level, got them to the playoffs. And, yeah, as we've talked about with him a few, a few weeks back, if they had a fit Lewis Timms and Josh Bourne for that playoff series against you, they could have they could have pushed you further than they did. And you never know what might have happened even as a, as a number eight seed. Um, it feels like it's a great community where... I think it, it's just ready to burst out out of its out of its bubble. It, it almost feels like you're going to one of the country country clubs when you head out to to Kalamunda. It's a great feeling out there, and I just feel like it's on the bubble, ready to burst. Is that is that how you feel when you you do head out there? 
Most definitely. And I think what we also need to realise, I know when Mark was looking and getting back into the league, there was a couple other teams that he was sort of looking at. And one of the things that I discussed with him that, you know, despite the results that were on the floor um, for Kalamunda in those sort of years previously, they had at least, you know, 15 or 16 kids up there that had all played legitimate minutes in the SBL. They'd all played mm-hmm. that sort of 15 to 20 minutes, which isn't spare parts minutes. It was they were legitimately playing in the SBL and they, they'd overcome that nervousness, they'd overcome that feeling of what it is when you get, get chucked into a game and you don't really know what's going on. They'd all played SBL and that's what you see. That's what we saw last year with a bit more structure and a little bit more um, consistency in how they were playing. Those kids really took the, the league by the scruff of the neck and the results sort of showed. And yeah, look, driving up the hill, it's always been, yeah, like you're heading to a, a typical country uh, recreation centre. You've got netball mm. courts and the the BMX and, and all that around the yeah. place, that, that hub for, for all their sports. So um, it does have that feeling and it was, um, yeah, that was the feeling I got in when I walked in and, and sat down with Mark and the president and the CEO it was almost like you'd, you'd come home a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. They were very welcoming and, and the boys were the same. So it does have that feel and as I said before, looking forward to helping them build on the success of last year. What about for you? What sort of an adjustment does it make to be an assistant coach after being a head coach for so long? Uh, it's one that I relish. I love the uh, I love being around basketball. Um, I think for me, it's going to be great to work with another another great coach like Mark. Um, I have been a head coach for a long time, and I didn't really do that apprenticeship um, as an assistant coach. So anytime I can go and um, be out of my comfort zone, but also in a situation where I'm going to learn. Uh, from one of the best in the game and, and see how he does it. And my big thing was I have to add value. I don't want to be there just taking up a seat on the bench because, you know, there's plenty of people up there that have put in the hard yards that probably deserve that opportunity. Um, I'm definitely not there just for the, the polo shirt. I'm there because I want to help them get better. And there's some things perhaps that I was maybe wanting to try this year with, with my own team that I've sat down with Mark and said, well, here's, here's the direction I was going to go with these guys this year. Um, how do you feel? And he's he's been you know, very welcoming. And I think his words were, I don't want a micromanager. I've got you in here to do a job and I'll let you know if you're doing it wrong. But you, you know, you go ahead and, and do it how you want to do it. So yeah, very excited and, and looking forward to for taking the task on. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating just to see how it all unfolds as well. But moving on, we've got a, as I touched on at the start of the show, very special guest this week, and he's got a different story to share. He was obviously a fine basketball player in his own right and came out here as an import, and he's still in, still here as well, but got a fascinating journey beyond that. What can you tell us about our, our guest this week? And he's got a fair task if to, to top what we had last week with CJ Jackson. Yeah, look, this week's guest is someone that is one of the first sort of people that um, you'd uh, American imports, I guess, that that dropped back and, and maybe played in our Division One level when they became a um, an Australian citizen. And his contribution to basketball on this day, I think we've spoken to James and we see James Fitch's contribution was at the you know, winning championships and all that. And then CJ's sort of gone the route of being an import and, and working in the SBL. Um, Wayne Simmons is someone that just epitomises giving back to the community and well past his career ending on the court. He's still giving back at a community grassroots level and is someone that is inspiring that next generation and, and doing some great work. And I'm, I'm really excited to have a chat to him every time you sort of see Wayne, he'll come up. It's the biggest high five, the biggest smile, and he, he'll talk to you like he's, you know, he's missed you like, like a brother. And it's been um, an amazing experience to, to catch up with Wayne around the place. And yeah, looking forward to that chat. Quite the interesting courtside announcer if I have got it correct as well. And he would have been your courtside announcer if everything had turned out differently at, at Mirabuka. 
Yeah, he brings his own personality, his own <laughs> style. And again, that's Wayne and anyone that's ever met Wayne Simmons has, has been fortunate enough to, to do so. And, and those that haven't met him, hopefully we, we get a bit of an insight into the man that you know, inspired hard work and, and just the love of the game in myself and my mates when we used to go and play pick-up at the different places that, that he would be at. So um, just a great man and, and enjoys giving back. And again, being a court announcer at an SBL game for an ex-import, probably not the most glamorous thing, but that's what he was called on to do, and that's the job he filled to make his club better. He was certainly entertaining every time I was at Mirabuka, and I have no doubt in the world he gave you a sledge or two. Did anything sneak through, or are you pretty focused when you're on the sidelines? Uh, oh, no, there's ne- never anything like that that goes on, I don't think. I think there's a, <laughs> there's always a bit of friendly banter once the ball's tossed up, but um, no, Wayne's not that sort of guy. And If no, anything, a, Wayne... No, I mean, I mean in a friend, friendly way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Wayne's always the one that's going to try and pick you up and, and, and have that compliment for you because he's got, he knows the respect that, that people have for him. So, yeah, very good man. Not really looking forward to talking to him. So, we'll do that after our first break. And then after, after that, we'll get into our brackets for our ultimate SBL championship winning team. How excited are you to get stuck into, into that? Because having a look at the, the 16 first round matchups, there's some incredibly tough choices that are going to have to be made. Yeah, it's been a um, a journey, and uh, the few people have put in a, a huge amount of work, yourself included, and um, we've sort of delved very deep into the to the rosters, which kind of add another layer of you know the matchups that we hope that to get people discussing and talking about. And um, you know, if we've missed anyone out, feel free to to let us know that, that you're on that team or someone you know was on that team, because um, you know we want it to be a a celebration of the league and and that eventual crowning of that that championship team. Hopefully, it generates that discussion and and um, you know that that talk around the around the place that we want. For sure. So stay tuned later in the show for more discussion about that and and how our listeners can be involved in deciding who ends up advancing as well. But now we need to get to get to our predictions on how we had originally seen these SBL season in 2020 panning out. So I mean, every team had gone through their preseason. Every team had had played at the Blitz and. And we were only days away from the season starting. I think it was with, with Geraldton hosting hosting the, the Goldfields Giants. And then on that Sunday, Coburn was going to play the Giants as well. So we were only days away from, from round one actually happening. So it was very much a reality. The teams had finished their preparation. So I think, it's, I think it's fair enough that we go back and give our predictions on how the season would have panned out. Obviously, we'll now have the West Coast Classic starting July 24, as confirmed by Basketball WA. And... As that gets closer, we can have a look at how differently the teams are looking now as to how they were originally looking for the proper SBL season. But you you were obviously very closely involved, having taken East Perth through most of their pre-season. You know, every club had finished preparations. You know better than anybody. By the time the season's about to start and the Blitz is finished, how much of your preparation work is already done? How, how ready for a season generally are you? For for us over the journey, we've tended to leave a little bit in the tank. Like physically, you know, the guys are ready to go and mentally you've probably done all the work you have. And I um, think one of the things that we, we learned early on was not to have everything um, sort of on the table early on and sort of around that week eight, week nine, um, you start to look and say what's working, what's not, because you've still got enough time to maybe bring something in prior to the playoff starting or start to work on something that you've seen that maybe someone was struggling against and you, you start to see the, the ladder evolve and this is a potential matchup. Uh, I know usually about six weeks out from the playoffs, we would basically um, jot out our, our top eight as we thought they were going to be, not in what order, mm. um, and we'd start our scouting on them there. So you're probably at about 80% capacity with your, with your playbook. Um, 
um, and you're, you're going to add in and take a few things out just, just based on how the season's evolving. And um, But yeah, definitely physically and mentally, that, that would have been the biggest thing. People would have been primed and ready to go. They've done their, done all the work and it's just, you know, now it's about the ball going up in the air and, and, and away we go. Okay, so over the last few weeks, we've dissected each team individually. So let's get straight, straight into our predictions. I reckon we start with, with who we thought would have reached the top eight, so who would have ended up making the playoffs. Let's start at the bottom end. Who have you got in eighth position? Uh, eighth position for this year, I think it would have been a, a tough one. That ninth and eighth spot would have been really close, but just on the talent that they had and and hoping that, um, for me, Gav Field was, was fully fit and also Luke Travers, as I said, is destined for, for great things. I had the, the Cougars sitting in uh, the eighth spot. Mm-hmm. I had the Wilson Tigers, I think. The front court of Patrick Burke and Lewis Thomas was really exciting. As you talked about, Damian Scott was potentially ready for a, for a big season, still had Mo Barrow, but the only reason I had them as low as eighth was just because of, I guess, the question mark over, over the point guard. But yeah, I think, I think Wilson certainly would have been back in, in the finals this year. Who have you got in seventh? Uh, seventh, another another first time coach, and I think he's built. Uh, well, the team that he had built at that point was was looking really good. The prediction for the West Coast Classic will be probably be a bit different, but in seventh, I have uh, CJ Jackson mm. getting the Redbacks back in the playoffs after uh, a year's hiatus. Mm-hmm. I, I've gone the Calamander Eastern Suns. Um, I, they're only that low for me just because I guess until we see the imports that that, that Mark Utley would have had, you just don't quite know. But from everything that, that you heard and probably had seen a little bit of it at the Blitz, certainly Albert Amanza and, and Tevin Ballinger were looking to be to be strong. And, and then he pretty much had a similar group to what he had, had last year. So even finishing seventh was an improvement on what he did last year. And, and, and I certainly think they would have been a better team than, that, than they were 12 months ago. Who have you gone for in sixth spot? Uh, exactly the same. And for those reasons, I just sort of see them, uh, Mark's extra year with that team, bumping him up to sixth spot. Um, the, the imports from all accounts were quality. And um, another year in that system for those kids, as we said, that have been playing SBL for a, that extended amount of time now. Definitely looking at them jumping up the ladder. Okay, I've gone the Geraldton Buccaneers, the defending champions, um, only because of the amount of turnover that they've had. Obviously, Liam Hunt going out from you know, as a grand final MVP and the starting centre on that team is a is a big loss and puts a lot of responsibility back on on Matt Wandenberg. Um, Marcus Alapade was was a terrific point guard and and and, and Brendan Donato gave him some really good good support as, as backup as well. And and Colter Lasher, he was a he was almost an MVP calibre player as well. He was that good as the small forward. Um, I know they've got some good additions and obviously we know what Sean Stewart can do. Kyle Roach from all reports was going to be pretty good as well. But just because of the turnover, I've had them slightly down on what they did last year, but still finishing sixth is no no shame. Yeah, most definitely. It's always hard uh, when you've got that high turnover of players to just, just to keep it at that level. So um, would have been yeah, it would have been a, a bit tougher this year, I guess. What about in number number five spot? What have you got? Five spot, and this is simply just because of um, I don't know his his schedule this year. Um, so if he's there for for more of the game, um, they'll be higher. Um, that's no pun intended. <laughs> uh, but at number five, we've got the Flames. I just think that they've put together a, a pretty decent roster there. Richard, higher, and the, the new import higher as well. Um, they, you know, they're, they're three quality front court players. Puff Godfrey, we left him out of our prediction. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we did that, but that's another quality, you know, quality SVL guard. And if they can keep Jackson Hussey around, um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what his status would have been for the whole season, but 
that's as good a starting five. It's just about keeping them on the park. And I know Richard's had a few injury uh, concerns in the past, and and Greg with his three on three commitments might not have been there the whole time. But um, you get you get a, a Flames team surging at the right time in front of their in front of their fans down there at the Hot House. Uh, I think they they would have been a, another force to be reckoned with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've gone for the Perth Redbacks in fifth spot um, for much of the reasons that you said you had them reaching the playoffs as well. CJ Jackson would have would have done a, done a really good job. Tevin Jackson, I think he would have would have got plenty out of his son. And obviously, we saw late in the season what he was capable of in small doses at Perry Lakes. But a full season out of him would have been terrific. I think Brian Carwell would have had had a, had a bit of a fire lit under him. I think he potentially could have had a had a, had a really strong season as well. Caleb White, we saw what he could have done at, at Rockingham as well. Um, yeah, so and, and Zach Gatorner, I expect him to go to another level after spending the offseason at the 36ers in the NBL too. So, yeah, I think the Redbacks would have been knocking on the door for, for top four. Speaking of the top four, who have you got in that fourth position? Uh, I think it's, it's not a recency bias. I think it's more of a consistency bias. But I really, you know, I think the ability to keep your, your core group together, which the Wolves done with, um, you know, Trian, Seb, and Maxi, Ben Iron, Munger, um, all those guys have got a few extra kilometres in their legs. But I, I really like what I heard about the, the two imports that were coming in. And I think the, the, the Kiwi import they brought in and, and Jack Joblin gave them that extra sort of youth that they were looking for. Um, so yeah, that core group staying together, two quality imports and and two decent local players, um, sort of keeps him in that top four. So it'd be again interesting to see how they would have gone with the the change at the helm, whether or not that's actually working for them, or style of play that's being implemented is is going to be too much for for a few of them to take on board. But you know, hearing hearing you know, what they've gone through in preseason, um, yeah, I think fourth spot is a, a nice spot for them to to be sitting in. I've got the Goldfields Giants. I, I really liked what Wayne Craig did last year, and I know that he's pretty much lost his whole starting five from last year, but I think the players that he had brought in, I think they would have been would have been really handy. I saw them at the, at the Blitz when they played a couple of games, and Corey Hamill and Josh Jones looked looked really good. Kyle Tapine looked like he was a really good addition as well. So was Damon Ballantyne, and so was Major Garang from the Perth Redbacks, who's gone up to Kalgoorlie. The potential of his combination with Mayo Malik looked really exciting, so I know that it's tough to replace you know, Patrick Burke and David Humphreys and, and, and Jay Bowie and, and your two experienced point guards, um, Falano and Holloway, but yeah, I just liked what Wayne Creek had built. I liked the culture that he's building, and I think they would have been would have been you know finishing finishing top four. So probably a big call, but yeah, I, I liked what what they had been building. Um, now we're getting to the business end. Who have you got in third spot? Well, I think this one's more of a it's it's a narrow never for these guys. Um, you know, they've had the that core group together now for for two or three years and just seem to have petered out uh, at the final stage in the semi-finals. And again, we said in the preview, getting your imports right is important. I think they've done that this year. So in third spot, I have Derling. Um, and it's more just that pressure pressure to perform, pressure on the coaches to get it right, and pressure on the. Uh, those experienced players like Corbin Rowe and Cody Ellis to to step up and sort of take the league by the scruff of the neck and not just say oh we're you know we're ex NBL players but we're we're still good enough to play at that level and we're going to lead this team um, a lot further than perhaps we've got in the past and and maintain that consistency you know they've got a brand new stadium up there and their programs are, are rolling it's it's time to have that success at the SBL level. Hmm. I've got the Lakeside Lightning. They, they've been so close for a couple of years now under Dave Daniels. They were again knocking on the door last year, but then Kyle Armour got hurt in that semi-final series against against the Bucks. Um, so I've gone for Lakeside. They've pretty much got the same team as we talked about. They've just swapped Jay Bowie coming in for Joby Wall going out. 
And aside from that, it's pretty much the same group. Kyle Armour, obviously, a significant out with his knee injury. But yeah, I think Lakeside are pretty close to the to the mark once more. Now, second spot. Well, it's getting pretty simple. So same sort of reasons. I've got Lakeside in second. Yep. Um, you know, running coach of the year, Dave Daniels. I'll have you know almost that full complement. And I would have expected maybe to see Kyle return at some stage in the, in the season. Um, Jay Bowie's a nice addition. Um, is he as consistent as uh, Joby Wall? Not quite sure, but he's, you know, Jay has the ability to win a game off his own hand. And if they yeah, can, well, you know, if they I mean, can all... Not all, as good as shooter, but a, probably a better all-round player, I would have thought. Yeah, he's gonna. He's a bit more versatile. He's going to play yeah. a bit more defense. He can guard sort of from a two to a two to a four in this league. You know, get maybe a little bit too emotional, but maybe in yeah. that environment, the lakeside calm heads around him could be all right. But yeah, have sort of lakeside sitting in that second spot um, and probably leading... Leading the league early on, um, mm-hmm. would have had the babies in that first spot for most of the year. Um, given they've got, would have had everyone back that was going to play. That that plays a big part as well. Yeah, I mean, when you've got Prue and Bigger and Eisenbarger as well, plus their their group of young players as well. I mean, they've got a lot a lot there to work with. But in second spot, I've gone for Rockingham. I think they were unlucky last year. They lost lost that quarterfinal series to Perry Lakes. Who, uh, who, yeah, I think both those teams were better than a quarterfinal matchup. So it was always going to be tougher for whoever lost and then Greek High got hurt during the last quarter of, of the of the deciding game and, and, and that ended up being pretty pivotal in the final result. Um of you know, obviously Greg's you would think he was set for another big season. Or from all reports, Robert Hyer would have been a, a massive pickup as the point guard as well. Jackson Hussey coming in too if he could have played the whole season. Um you know, and Josh Richard the same if he could have stayed healthy. I think he was ready for for big things too, and, and again, as you as you mentioned before, you keep forgetting about Ryan Godfrey, but he's still one of the best players in the league too. So, yeah, I think Rockingham. It was time for them to finish, at least in the top two. Who have you got taking out the regular season championship? Well, regular season, I have Perry Lake. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know their their two imports maybe give them what they were missing last year: a super dynamic uh, point guard and a and a big that can, like we said, he's probably not going to set the world on fire offensively, but he was going to. Uh, block shots and rebound and really be that anchor for them defensively and, and allow the Purses and the Redditches to maybe take a few more gambles on D and, and open up the, the floor in pick and rolls for their, for their shooters. Uh, Smith and Clark um, playing off that point guard would have been would have been fun to watch. So, yeah, have them um, finishing at number one at the end of the regular season. Me too. So I've got Perry Lakes finishing on top. I just think being able to, like you said, bringing in the import big, frees up Sean Redditch a little bit who, you know, when... BC wasn't playing a lot of minutes late last season. Sean had to play the five spot more and more, and it's probably probably doesn't suit him as as hard as he did battle in the, in that role. He clearly is better as a as a four. So if, he, if Sean goes back to playing that role as a four man, they've got a dynamic point guard. They've they've added Austin Kisilev, who I think was was ready to make an impact as well. Probably backing up Ben Persis still, but obviously adding depth in in that position. They got the good young players like Cooper Hamilton and 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 Mitch Clark and and, and Bailey Cole there as well. So yeah, I think they've got all the pieces there to to finish on top, and and uh, we'll get to it soon, but probably to, to go pretty close to going all the way. Um, so that's our top eight. Which teams did you find it really tough to to leave out of your your top eight? Uh, well, look, I'll just I'll run through. Basically, I had uh, East Perth dropping down to, to the wooden spoon. Flammers, I think, are going to struggle just with, with the personnel, no doubting their, co- their coaching prowess there. Same with Mandra. Yeah. Kind of that high turnover, this is probably one of those years where 
Um, both Bucks and the Giants would struggle with that high turnover. No doubt they've got quality imports. It's just they need another year of maybe getting those locals to, to be in the system and in the town and used to it. So that was probably going to be a down year for them. And you know, the one that I really struggled, you know, is that Tigers at nine or Cougars. And I just sort of, mm. I think as well, you know, that lack of a point guard at the moment um, from what we saw on paper sort of dropped them down out of the top eight for, for me. Yeah, I mean, the biggest difference between us is that I guess I had more faith in the Giants and the Bucks, and you had more faith in the Senators and and the Wolves. So I, I've got I've got Warwick and Joondalup just missing out, which is which is a huge call because I think, like you talked about with the Senators, they're ready to. I think with this group, I think it's either now or never. So I think they either would have gone all the way and won it this year, or it's the year where everything kind of comes to an end and it's then time for a new era to come through. So I had them just missing out on the top eight. And the Wolves, I just felt, within again, as the start of a new era. We don't know how the two imports would have gone. We don't know how the new coach would have gone. So I had them just missing out just because how long can you stay up for is the big question, I guess. And eventually everything has to come to an end. And the other one that was tough was the Coburn Cougars, who I think would have been in that mix for the for that eighth spot as well. Obviously, Luke Travis was a terrific pickup. And alongside Gavin Field, I, I'm, I'm just excited to see those two play together because finally Gav's got some got some help in terms of another playmaker there who's a genuine star. So those were the three teams that I thought were still knocking on the door to make the top eight. And then like you, I thought the Magic, the Slammers and the Eagles were probably the, the teams that were going to be bringing up, bringing up the rear. Yeah. And one thing you need to remember too, is that usually by about week you know, eight or nine, you, you work out that you want to be out of what we used to call the quicksands. You want to be in that oh. top four and have a couple of games out because it's always from four to about 10 or 11. There's only one or two games separating and you get down to those last couple of weeks and it's someone needs to beat someone to, to make the final. So you know, finishing 10, you could only be one one loss or one win out of that eight fight, but the results don't go to way, go your way and, or the head-to-head didn't quite work out. So yeah, by no means are we saying that you know teams nine through 11 are are going to be garbage. It's more yeah. that, yeah, yeah, that might just not that the ball doesn't bounce your way and um, you, you're, you're not quite you know, getting the results you want. Um, but by no means are they going to be not competitive. It's just that that's just the way the SBL breaks sometimes, that sort of six through to six through to nine mm. could all be separated by one game or head-to-head. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I jotted down how many games I thought each team would win. So I had I had the Giants finishing fourth, and I had them winning 16 games, but then I had Coburn finishing 11th, winning 11 games. So that's exactly what you're talking about. I had sort of five wins separating fourth down to eleventh, so the the gap was was pretty small. Yep, and usually that top that top four is sitting on around that twenty wins. I think eighteen wins was our lowest when we finished um, second in two thousand and eleven. Yep. And after that, you know, twenty wins was always one or two. So um, you sort of work your way back from there. You're going to have those that one one loss on a Friday night. You're going to lose one to Gerald or Kalgoorlie on the road. You're going to have a Sunday game against Kalamunda that you're going to. They're going to get hot and blow your court, and then you'll have a back-to-back that you're going to drop. So, yeah, if, you get, if you're getting up around those 20, 21 wins, yeah, you're doing really well in that, that top four. Now, people might be thinking that it's sour grapes of some sort that we've both gone for East Perth to finish in last place, but I, I think it's the season that they needed to have, whether you were coaching or whether it's um, someone else coaching them. I think this is the year they needed to have where they take a step back and start the rebuild because they've just been treading water for too long, going nowhere. And I think this is a season where they would have started a rebuild and they would have started to turn themselves into a powerhouse, you know, two or three years down the track. But I think it's no, it's no shame sometimes going backwards to go forwards in the long run. And I think that's what East Perth would have been starting, starting to do. 
I, I just look at, um, you know, I look at Joondal up in the in 2010. They they just scraped into the playoffs, or they might have missed the playoffs, and then in 2011 they come back and win a championship. And mm-hmm. same thing in 2014, they missed the playoffs, and in 2015 they come mm-hmm. back. So sometimes it's that, yeah. You know, you, you drop from where you think you should be and it's that kick in the pants that you need and, and you're onwards and upwards and onto better things. So, but yeah, look, sometimes you've got to, you've got to go back to the reset button and get everything right before you um, start to move forward. Okay, before we have a look at how we thought the playoffs might have played out and, and tell you who we think would have won, won the championship respectively, let's go through some individual award winners. Let's start with our, let's start with the coach of the year. Who do you think would have been coach of the year? Uh uh, for me, CJ Jackson, I think mm-hmm. getting a team back into the playoffs, what he's built, um, the way he would have got them playing, that would have been a, almost a no-brainer for me that um, you know, CJ would have would have taken that one out and, um, again, led, led that club back to where they wanted to be. 21 years between Coach of the Year awards, that would have been a pretty remarkable thing. Most definitely. And, again, if anyone was going to do it, you know, it was probably going to be CJ. Yeah, for sure. I've gone Wayne Craig. I had the Giants finishing in fourth spot. I think he did a great job last year, and if he had taken them into the top four this year, then I think he would have done a, a good enough job to deserve to be named Coach of the Year. What are your memories of Wayne as a player? He quickly reminds you that he's the leading shot blocker in Giants history Anytime you speak to him, but what, what do you remember of him as a player and now as someone you've coached against? Wayne probably doesn't remember me, but he was very good friends with one of my cousins growing up, Brian Ettridge, in uh, the, the Wheatbelt Central, North Wheatbelt town of Muck and Budden. And yes. One day I was up in up there and we were went down to the local Muck and Budden High School and um, we were in playing basketball and I think he's a little bit older than me, maybe two or three years, so uh, I hadn't quite hit my growth spurt then. Um, and Wayne pre- proceeded to block every single shot that I tried to put up. Just that super athlete, again, one of those guys that uh, probably if the opportunity arose could have could have been an NBL fringe sort of player. Um, yeah, definitely athletic yeah. enough. Super, super athletic and just a, a great competitor and a great bloke. Always someone that will come up to you after the game and have a chat whether win, lose or draw. Um, just, a, just a great bloke and, a, and an asset to that club up there. So I know he's building some stuff. He holds them to a very, very high standard, um, which is great. Um, I've seen him in at, you know close quarters watching a few games when, when guys have hung their head and done something maybe they shouldn't have. And he's very quick to remind them what it means to wear a Giants jersey and, and wearing blue and gold shouldn't be taken for granted. So, yeah, definitely doing some good things up there. But I, I just think it might be a little bit too tough with the personnel this year for him. I did see exactly what you're talking about at, at a game last year with, with potentially one of the players that you mentioned might have had some trouble controlling his emotions at times, who's now playing in a different club this year. And, you know, I spent a, a week up in Kogali last year as well and got to know Wayne really well and love the way that he, he goes about about building that culture and how much pride he, like you said, instills in, in playing for the Giants. Most improved player. Now, that, let's get it out there first. We both were originally going to think Luke Travers because I think we're both of the impression that he's going to go from a really good player this year to a superstar, but he was already most improved in the league last year, so we both decided to rule him out and, and name somebody else. Yeah, look, uh, he probably will go about and win it. I can see his numbers jumping, similar to maybe what Damian Scott did when he won Most Improved Player back a few years ago. Like, he'd had a great season at Coburn and then won it again the next year after. Look, having worked with this guy very, very short amount of time, but just we're looking at what the season may have looked like and, and what he was going to be given the opportunity to do. I think um, Andre Donlagi, for me, um, would have perhaps really given that a, a shake. You know, he's versatile. He's... Uh, He's a big three, as I said, that prototypical three that does really well. And in given a little bit more guidance and a little bit more system to work in, you know, Dre would have had a had a breakout season and a sort of esca- moved himself up that escalator into the sort of elite SBL players as opposed to just being a, a very good one. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good call. One player I strongly considered was Austin Kisilev, who's moved to the Prairie Lakes Hawks, but just thinking a bit more about it, he's been a star in the league before, so maybe I see him just getting back to the level he was at previously, so that so maybe that isn't quite a most improved player. So I've gone for, for unfortunately, it might be a little bit too much Giants in my in my predictions, but but Magic Garang, who's made the move from the Perth Redbacks up to Kalgoorlie, and I think his combination with, with Mayo Malik, with their height and their length and their ability to rebound and block shots and, and to also score at times, they can also do okay offensively. I think the combination of those two would have been really tough for, for opposition teams to, to go up against with their length and yeah, I think he was ready to take the next step with with, he, with his career as well, and he would have relished, I guess, a, a new environment up in Kalgoorlie where he could probably focus a bit more on his basketball. Yeah, sometimes a sea change um, will we'll do that to you. It'll, it'll sort of refocus you, and if he's up there solely for basketball, then that you know suddenly becomes not probably his job, but it's his, it's why he's there, and um, the pressure is to, to improve and go out night in, night out, and do your job. Now, what about our all first teams? This is this is this is really tough, but who have you got for your your starting five? Uh, so point guard, I have Sean Stewart up in, um, in at the Bucks. As I said in the preview, I think um, his playmaking ability, he's going to have as many shots as he wants up there, um, get that crowd behind him, and I think he'll be a, a really tough cover up there and probably win him a handful of games on his own hand up there. Um, I think Damian Scott, um, while they're struggling. Uh, if they don't have that extra point guard and the ball's in his hand a bit more, um, I think he you know, he's, he could lead the league in scoring, um, which would be quite an achievement. I think we've, it's been a while since we've had an Australian lead the league in scoring. In the three spot, Greg Hire, I think you know his build-up and getting his body right and the amount of basketball he's playing is just right for Greg, and he's a quality three. Um, Luke Travers at the four. As again, uh, the sky's the limit for this kid, and if he's going to do it this year, you know, the time is now. And then uh, in the five, I think sort of hard done by last year not to win the MVP. If he had been here a bit longer, he might have. Is um, is Pat Burke? Uh, love the way that guy goes about his business and hard hat and a lunch bucket, and and you know what you're going to get uh, for 40 minutes every time he steps on the court. Mm-hmm. Now I've got some a couple of couple of the same. I've gone Sean Stewart as well as point guard. I've got Robert Hire from from the Rockingham Flames as my two guard. Then I've got I've got Luke Travers as my three man. He probably rotates between the three and the four. Um, then I've got Josh Richard, who's probably similar. He rotates between the four and the five. But I've I've got him as my as my four man. And then I've got Patrick Burke, who similar to you, I thought he was very unlucky not to be MVP last year. And I think at Willerton, he potentially could even put up some some better numbers. And I've got Patrick Burke rounding out my my top five. Yeah, I think both teams would be uh, quite a handful if they walked out and, uh, and you had to go up against them. So mm. some good choices. Okay, now we've got our top eight. So from the start of the playoffs, who do you think would have won their way into the grand final? I know through my the way my oh it might work out that way, but just looking at it, look, I think again there's there's two teams that I know are hungry for that success, and this is this is the year, uh, this is the the time that they have to do it. Um, they're putting a lot of time and effort into their SBL programs. And for me, I had um, the Flames versus the Senators in the in the grand final. Um, mm. Two teams that haven't been there for a long time, one that hasn't at all. But I just sort of think, you know, with their Australian talent, getting their imports right, this is this is the time that they have to do it. Um, no disrespect to the other teams, but I think those are the two teams who, if you look at the... De- <laughs> Destiny plays a funny thing. It's, you know, usually those teams that haven't been there for a long time that, that come through. And I think both these teams, it's it's their time to, to to make it happen. So I have those two, Flames versus Senators. I've got Rockingham there as well. 
but I've got them playing against the Perry Lakes Hawks, who, for all the reasons why we both predicted them to finish on top, at the end of the regular season, I think they'll have enough to get through to the, the grand final as well. And, and that sets up for me a great rivalry between Perry Lakes and Rockingham, who have played each other in the last two in the, in the last two playoffs as well. Two years ago, he was in the semi-finals. Last year, he was in the quarterfinals, and they were, you know, heated. They were fiery. They were, they were high-quality matchups. So, getting that matchup in a grand final would take things to another level. And Ryan Petrick up against Matt Parsons would be a fantastic coaching matchup. So, for all those reasons, I think it would be a great matchup. But for all of the same reasons, having Rockingham against the Senators with Mike Ellis there would be would be fantastic as well, and and different as well because. Unlike in my matchup, you'd have the experienced team who's been there before, Perry Lakes, against the team that's freshly there and, and I guess in a lot of ways got nothing to lose because it's their first crack at it in Rockingham. But in your case, having two teams that are new to a grand final would leave leave for a lot of a lot of fascination into how, how it would play out. Yeah, I think both teams have got guys that have been on that big stage before. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Corman Rowe and um, Cody have both Cody played Allen's in the NBL. Um, and then you know you got Greg, who's who's got three championships or whatever it is with the with the cat. So he's been on the big stage, and I think it would be really a really good test of of all those players who, as I said, they've sort of in that sort of upper echelon of if you're looking at the talent pool in the SBL. Um, to you know, these playoffs are when you make your name. You know, Trian Iliadis in 2015 goes ballistic and you know, almost wins an SBL championship of his own hand in, yeah. against the Slammers. Like that's when guys make their name. Um, so we up to someone in that in that high pressure environment to step up and, and put their stamp on it and um, and lead their team to a to a championship. Who do you think would have won? Uh, I I have the Senators winning that game. Okay. Do you want me to give you my uh, MVP of the grand final? Yeah, absolutely. My MVP of the grand final would have been uh, Wani Swaka um, registering the first quadruple double in the history of the SBL Grand Final, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and 10 steals. I think that kid's the X factor. We've spoken a lot about Luke Travers, but I think Wani is another one that's, if he's in this league next year, he will take it by the scruff of the neck and, and really um, set it on fire. So you know, he's that glue. He's that, that guy that um, I know the Cats rate really, really highly and love yep. what he does. Um, Australian, you know, under-19 under teams and all that sort of stuff. Um, he's, he's had great success um, when they've been successful. So yeah, I would have seen him leading the way for the uh, for the Senators to get get their mm. get their championship. Tough to argue, and I think he'll really benefit from having Corbin Rowe alongside him. He won't have to be the point guard this time. He can still spend time carrying the ball plenty, but he doesn't have that pressure on him to be the the number one ball handler. And I think he'll benefit greatly from having Corbin alongside him too. So yeah, can't argue with that at all. But I've gone for the Perry Lakes Hawks to come away and, and win, win it all. And an unseen grand final MVP, Bretchen Griffin, their point guard or a combo guard, probably more, more likely. He came with a big reputation, and I think he would have been able to deliver on the big stage. And strange to say, given I haven't seen him play, but that's my prediction anyway. Yeah, again, you know, those Perry Lakes teams are always going to be up and about. And Sean Reddick in a, in a one-off grand final is um, hard to guard. Um, ben Perso has, has been there before and, and tasted that success. So yeah, would have been um, would have been interesting to see your matchup. You know, Greg Hire versus Sean versus Perso, uh, or yeah, Richard versus Redditch. You know, yeah. those sorts of matchups are always tantalising, if you will. I know, I know we've I've watched the last couple of series of Rockingham versus Perry Lakes, and they always come down the wire. It always seems to be. Uh, there's one play. I remember Greg High getting double teamed on the post, and and did he get fouled? Did he well, not get fouled? Ball, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, lose the ball, and then as it was last year, you know, he, last year he got hurt. 
hurts himself. So, you know, there's always been that one thing that sort of it hasn't really been the, the ball that decided it. It's been something out of someone else's hand. So mm. would have been interesting to see that come down to the wire. And we know what Greg High can do in grand finals, though. He's, uh, he's very inspirational and um, does tend to take a game on his back. But that would have been um, yeah, two, two quality grand finals, I think. I think either way, all we can say is that it's a shame that we won't see it pan out because I think this was shaping up. Every team had probably improved on last year. Every team had really stocked up. We'd had a huge talent pool in the league this year. I know that the West Coast Classic is still going to be better than having nothing, but it's a real shame we didn't get to see this season play out. Yeah, having everyone on, on court, let the cards fall how they may. Um, like I said, you you got your Sunday games, your double headers, your road trips, your your Thursday night game in, in Easter that you're not used to. Mm. All things can happen throughout the season. Imports go home, new imports come in. Wildcats yeah. players put their hand up and join teams. It's funny league over here in the Wild West, but generally, you know, those teams that can stay consistent and stay the course are the ones that end up being the most successful. Okay, that was a that was a great chat. Re- really enjoyed that, and I know it was a lot of hypotheticals there. But you know, if you if you're a listener and you've got your own thoughts on how the season might have panned out, let us know through social media, and we'll we'll discuss that next week and and we can can share your thoughts out out loud on the show. Now we've got to get to Wayne Simmons, our our guest on this week's show on SBR Shoot Around Ben. But before we do, the question without notice for this week, tricky one. When you're sitting on the bench now with the Calamander Eastern Suns. Who are you going to find it more strange coming up against, the Joondalup Wolves or the East Perth Eagles? Oh, look, to be honest, it's, it's man. every time I play in Mandra, every time I play at Williton, every time I play at Coburn, it's walking into and playing the Redbacks. I've, mm. I've now what I've been at you know, five or six different clubs, as have many people. So um, I think maybe for me would be the Joondalup boys. I mean, I caught up with them on the weekend and you know, just caught up and saw how, you know, how they're all going. So they're the ones that have been around the longest. Definitely got a soft spot for the East Perth boys and would you know, probably walk down and sit down next to Luke Coburn and, uh, and ask him how he's going with it all and is there anything he does he needs to as a hand. You know? um, but yeah, probably the Joondalup boys the most would be the ones that um, it would be funny for them to, to, to see me in an in a, uh, orange and black polo shirt. So that's probably the one that's the biggest one for me. So you won't be in the black shirt and the orange tie? No, I'm going full Luke Brennan. I'll be wearing a, <laughs> uh, a Suns hoodie. I'll be sitting there with my uh, legs crossed and my arms folded and um, only standing up high mounts and to get Mark a drink. <laughs> that'll, that, that's my role, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, very good. Now, let's move on on SBL Shooting Round and get to our chat with Wayne Simmons. Okay, back here on SBL Shoot Around and really looking forward to this discussion because he's got a he's got a journey in basketball and beyond basketball that is unlike unlike any other. So a fascinating journey. He's been out in Australia now for well, must be must be thirty plus years as well. So it's going to be fascinating to go through through the journey with him. Wayne Simmons is the man I'm talking about. How do I find you this evening, Wayne? Hey, I'm doing good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing great, and really appreciate you taking the time to chat to us. When you, when you think about it, similar to what we asked CJ Jackson on the show last week, when you think about your 30 plus journey now out here in Australia, do you pinch yourself in the way it's turned out sometimes? Wow, sometimes I just gotta pinch myself. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished up 
Uh, I played professionally in um, Barcelona, Spain, and mm -hmm. then um, I went and entered the military. So I just finished up in the military. So I'll, I'll travel a bit um, before I go home. And uh, a friend of mine said, oh, well, let's pop by Australia before you finally, finally go back home. And so I decided to do that. And I went to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and I got hurt. I'm sitting in my hotel room on Riverside Drive, and uh, this ad comes on, Perth Wildcats basketball. <laughs> At the time, I didn't even know they played basketball in Australia. <laughs> so um, this was 1987, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll see how we go. So something behooved me to go down to uh, stadium and uh, went down to the stadium, watched the game. The Wildcats won. So... <laughs> Security, thank you, security, for being a bit relaxed because uh, they let me walk all the way down to the uh, change room and nobody stopped me. Wow. So, <laughs> 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 and so um, I knocked on the door and uh, I uh, Cal Boone came through the door and I said, uh, "How you doing, mate? Uh, my name is uh, Wayne. Uh, I'm from New York uh, and." Uh, I was hoping to maybe just train with you guys to get some exercise while I'm here, you know. And he started laughing. Cal started laughing. He said, look, man, come on, man. We're a professional team. <laughs> you can't just rock up off the street and start training with us. What are you doing? So um, we went and we started talking and we got in, you know, talking, got into a good little uh, rapport. And I said, okay, well, can I at least just come down and watch you guys train? And he said, yeah, that's okay, that's fine, that's harmless. So for a week I did that, but what I did before I watched Ryan, I would uh, jog about um, 10Ks, and I'd shoot about 300 shots, and I'd go down there nice and loose, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, watch training. And at the time, there was a player there named Adam Brennan, who was on the Wildcats, yep. but uh, he was from Melbourne. And secretly, he kind of wanted to go back to Melbourne and play, you know. So um, sometimes he wouldn't rock up to training for whatever reason, sick or whatever. And so I'd been there a week, and I kind of knew what the plays they were going to run, stuff like that. So I said, uh, excuse me, guys, um, if you need somebody to fill in and step in, um, I'd be happy to help you out. So <laughs> you can imagine Tiny Pender, uh, James Crawford, Steve Davis, all these guys rolling their eyes like, <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> this guy. Who is this clown? Like, what is he doing? <laughs> and so, you know, full credit to Cal. Cal, Cal Bruce said, oh, all right, we'll see how you go. Now, all of them, they didn't know I had played before. And so um, we got out there, and I was able to run the plays, and uh, I was able to uh, contribute. So then they said, uh, can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> That's how it all started. I did that for about a week. And then they had a trial for the 13th spot as a training squad member. Because mm -hmm. they already had the import. So um, um, they had a trial. And uh, I got the spot. And that kind of saved me. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> have, you, have you almost been here pretty much ever since? I've been here off and on for 33 years pretty yeah. much. Because I was coaching. Um, I played with Luke Lowley and Blahop over there with the uh, Perth Redback. Yep. I was the point guard for them, so I was one of the imports there.
very good. So yeah. you, you said that you, it was uh, a stint in the military. And my, my memories of Wayne Simmons is exactly what you just said. Run 10 kilometres. Get to get to the gym where everyone was ready. In those days, you used to have a skipping rope and you'd skip for about 20, 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're just sitting on the sideline going, this guy's going to hand it to us. It, where did that... Where did that mentality come from? Was it growing up in New York? Was it in the military? Was it family? Like, where did that? Oh, I just remember Wayne Simmons being the hardest worker in the room. So, where did that? Where did that come from? Well, I came from a pretty, fairly poor family, so um, we had to work for everything, including food. <laughs> so, yeah. um, my attitude was, you know, you just got to go as hard as you can, and I was never, I never feared failing. I always fear not giving my best, if that makes any sense. Yes. So I always wanted to try to give my best. So that mentality carried with me throughout my life. You know, I had fights to make my uh, high school team. I didn't make, I got cut twice. I didn't make it to my junior year. I came from a school that we were turning out. Just before I, I got there, we had a guy, Bob Lanier, who uh, wind up being one of the big greatest players of all time. Yes, yes. Okay, they came out of my high school, and uh, um, he was the number one draft pick. So you had that leniency to deal with. Then there was Clifford Robinson, a guy that mm-hmm. Michael Jordan hits that 6-3 on, <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. turns to the crowd and shakes his hand like, oh, my God, I'm just too hot. <laughs> the guy he hit it on is yeah. from my high school. Wow. So that's, and he played 16 years in the NBA, yeah, Clifford Robinson. Did. Yeah. 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 So that type of people I had to deal with. We had close to over 25, 30 people playing professionally in Europe, and we had about six or seven pros. So that's what I had to face. Uh, my junior, my uh, junior year, I played. I started, did okay in high school. My senior year, we won the Class C championship and went downstate, and we lost to a team that was just stacked. It was called the McRae Brothers, and. Uh, Scooter McCray and Rodney McCray. Rodney McCray wound up playing with Michael Jordan on one of his Fight the Bulls. Yes, he did. Yeah. 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 So we were playing against monsters like that, so it wasn't pretty. But, <laughs> 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 but um, you know, you get used to that and you realize nobody's going to give you anything. You got to go get it. Most definitely. So when you, you've you sort of done your stint here in, in the city a couple of times, then from there you went up Kalgoorlie, is that right? Yeah, I was, uh, I've been doing a bit of music because they, um, uh, they changed the rules like they, and, um, they wanted, uh, more, uh, big players. So at that time, I saw the writing on the wall. I got involved in music. And there was a guy here that his name was Bo Smith. And at the time, he won New Faces with, that was a TV show that was popular, a music yeah. show. The guy that ran it was Daryl Q. Summers, the same guy from Hey Hey It's Saturday. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so he yeah. won it. So that night, that's kind of how my career started with music. He needed some dancers. And uh, I went out and did a little bit of dancing and wound up getting in the crew. And uh, he did a farewell show over at uh, Network Nightclub. I forgot. I think it's called The Rise now. And uh, we did pretty well. We thought we'd have, we'd lucky to have 100 people. It was 1,700 people that had to move people off the age. So <laughs> needless to say, I went in the back room and threw up, and then I was ready to perform. <laughs> 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 then I was ready to perform. 
So um, yeah, so that was that was pretty crazy. But uh, through that experience, then I got involved with bands. And once I got involved with a couple of bands, that went well. And then we did a couple of local TV shows here. What's this guy, Pat Johnson? Or he's got a couple of bands now. He's been around forever. And uh, he had a TV show. We did that. Um, and then I did a couple of telethons in the 90s. And uh, But to get back how ghouly... I wasn't even playing at the time. I came back from Asia, and uh, a friend of mine rang me, John Coberson. You probably remember him. Yeah, I know John. He's you know John, isn't he? Six foot nine, about two hundred fifty pounds. I used to tell him one hundred and fifty pounds was his backside. So, <laughs> so um, anyway, he rang me up and he said, uh, "Come up here and play in this All Star game." I said, I've got so much rust on me, uh, I, I'm like a rust bucket. I haven't played in 18 months. So I come up there for the All-Star game, and I had 25 points and 16 assists. And then the owner of the club bailed me up for about an hour and said, uh, would you like to come up here and play as an import? So uh, I wound up playing up there, and I wound up being the captain of the team. That was with uh, John Colbert, so you know Doc Earl? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, we had a guy that came in halfway through the season named Jerry Everett. Jerry Everett, there you go. Pure score. Um, yes. Played for the Newcastle Falcons for four years, averaged about 27 a game. Yep. He came here uh, one game in 88. He got 48 on the Wildcats. Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, he was the yeah, goat. He was legit. Yeah, he was legit. He was actually in uh, – Training camp with the Bulls for a bit too, so um, he was legit. Yeah, but um, yeah, Jerry Everett, he yeah, he was just a primetime scorer for the fifteen or sixteen games he played. He averaged like thirty nine a game. Wow! I think his high game was like fifty five. Did you cross paths with um, Snoopy Graham? Oh yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> he had thirty on us, but he was shooting from about half court, like. And he always had a smile on his face. Like, really? it just frustrated you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're doing your best. And he's just like, he's telling guys, luckily I didn't have to guard him. But he's telling guys, oh, man, you're just too little. I'm just going to shoot over you. You know that, right? You know that. And then he'll shoot it. Or he'll, he used to be in the air. He'll shoot it, be in the air, and he'll say, huh, oh, this feels nice. <laughs> 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 and then. You know, a year or two later, you see Scottie Pippen hitting a jumper in, yeah. the, in the playoffs, and the guy hits it on Snoopy Graham. That's it. Yeah. It was actually him and Doc Rivers in the backcourt for Atlanta Hawks. That's huge to think that the guy went from the SBL to the NBA. Yeah. We had about two or three of those guys. Donald Whiteside. Yep. Remember Donald Whiteside? Went down to Tasmania and played a bit, didn't he, as well? Yeah, this guy, I remember uh, one game, he torched uh, Ricky as well. He was he was dynamite, 5'9", but you couldn't see his first step. Wow. You could not see his first step. <laughs> so, sort of, when the, when the basketball finished, like, the you know, the, the SBL finished, and I know you had the other stuff going on, but my, my memories of you, uh, I think, at UWA, playing in the Division One competition, that, that was, yep. you know... Crossing I was there. playing, uh, it was D-League uh, then, I think. D-League, yeah, something like yeah. that, yeah. But then 
It was yeah. always the, the, the pick-up run around the place, you know, you'd be there and it was almost like you were the glue guy, the one that brought it all together. Like, you know, who were some of the guys that used to come and, and join in on those runs and, and what are your memories of those days when it used to be, you know, like that? So, oh, oh, God. Wesley or Lords and, and the game was on. Probably the biggest game that we had as far as pick-up goes, we all wound up a hell one night. So we're all there playing. So Blahoff walks in. All right. Tiny Pendant walks in. Uh, Cal Bruton walks in. JC walks in. Oh, we look around. So all the kind of weaker players, they start to go to the sideline. Everybody <laughs> starts to <laughs> And so we start warming up. And it was us and some imports. Ricky comes down. And, man, that was like an, that was like an NBO game. That game was supposed to go to 10. We played for an hour and a half. Nobody wanted to lose. I think mm-hmm. the final floor was like 28, 29. You had to win by two. Yeah. And it was just war. And if somebody got beat and they didn't dunk it, well, you take it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Put you on the deck, take it out. Old school rules. You and go. you know, Blaha, he set a screen on you. You always had to be conscious of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he set a screen on you. He knocked you out. there's no messing around so those games were like war (laughs) yeah i remember a few of them on a on a sunday at uh at willerton like it was you'd almost feel like you'd been handed the keys to the to the safe like you you get this message or get a phone call jeff's organized a pickup game and you know there's only you know if you're lucky enough to get in the door and sit there and watch, and there'd be, you know, Jeff, Vin, yourself, Sean Stone, CJ be there, Billy Wade to be down there, like all those guys that were still big time players, just be down and, and the rum would be on it. We'd go, like you say, for an hour and a half, and we'd just be happy to sit there and watch because it was as close as we were going to get to watching watching our heroes play up and down. And then if you're lucky after an hour and a half, someone want a water break, you'd look over and you get you get the call up, be on the court, and you you wouldn't know what to do, but. No. You can see those guys cacking themselves when the call up cut. Oh, oh, come yeah. on, man. You want to go? Uh, uh, yeah, come on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, Yo, mom, I won't be home for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, yeah. this life over here is taking me. You know, halfway around the world, like, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful with the music as well. It's really helped me out, stuff like that. So, you know, um, I can't complain. You know, you have your up downs, but overall, you know, I'm pretty thankful. And uh, I've met some great people over here. I mean, lifelong friends and uh, doing a lot to help a lot of young kids now. So yes. I've always had jobs where I was helping people. So I enjoy that. That's one of my main focuses now. And yeah, uh, well, I, I guess for me, like, as you say, you, you're you're thankful for the people that you've met over here. But I know that there's a lot of people that are probably even more thankful that you know, Wayne Simmons is in their life. And tell us about that work that, you, that you're doing and, you know, that grassroots level stuff where you're involved and, and how that keeps, I'm going to say, it, how that keeps you young, um, yeah. <laughs> being around, those, being around the, the youth and the kids and helping them. It sure does. Like, I was in the gym today working out, and this lady came up to me, and she said, uh, oh, yeah, you're doing pretty good for 40. I said, uh, you better add about 21 years on that. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. She almost had a heart attack. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yeah. Well, a lot of the work I'm doing now is I work with people with disabilities. I work with youth. I work with uh, young tots. We do tots programs for kids. We work with the elderly. You'll find that a lot of the elderly people, they just want someone to talk to. But, you know, someone to understand. Because a lot of them, they might not be able to remember what goes on from day to day. But they can tell you about their high school prom and, you know what I mean? Like, they can remember yeah. stuff from back in the day. And just having somebody to talk to and conversate with, that that's good for them. What we do sometimes, we'll organize tours where we'll, you know, put them on the ferry and we'll go with them. And then uh, maybe they we shout them to lunch over at uh, Fremantle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Things like that where they can get together and talk and, you know, be around some people, some young people and some people their own age that can relate. So. We uh, do things like that, and I'm doing quite a bit of coaching. I got about four kids now that, for this COVID thing, we're playing over in the U.S., and uh, we're trying to get some more kids over, and, uh, you know, we're really pushing that. I run a Saturday program every Saturday over at Warwick Senior High School. Okay. 8 o'clock if any of the kids want to come, and yeah. uh, we try to really push the kids hard so that, you know, we got kids that want to make uh, wobble teams, you know, and we've had quite a few kids come through there and make teams. We've got kids that uh, want to play domestic, and um, we get their skills up to the point where they can come out and compete and uh, give a real go. So, and we always teach, what we teach is community values and things like that, because out here now, with the amount of drugs and things that are out here and the things that could go wrong if your kid's not involved in some type of sport or academia, it's, it's pretty frightening. So um, we try to keep them in a situation where they're engaged in positive activities. Yep. No, that's brilliant, Wayne. And as I say, my, my memories of you are nothing but um, of hard work of someone that I was saying to Chris before, Wayne never talked trash. Well, he probably did, but most of the time, Wayne was just picking you up on the court. He would he'd find something that you did well, and that's what he, he would talk about that the whole time you were playing the game. It was never anything negative that came out of Wayne's mouth. He was always trying to pick you up and make you feel confident and make you, make you feel good about being there. And to hear the, the work that you're doing in the community and, and all that sort of stuff, it's um, it still in inspiring to me you know i see you around the traps all the time we, we always seem to catch up in a basketball stadium which is i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but <laughs> you know, we're, we're in there all the time um, one, of, one of my goals now i know we go to the same gym is uh, we're gonna we have to go and do a workout i'm gonna see if i can keep up with you I never did 20 years ago and I, I don't reckon i'll be able to keep up with you now, well you know what my motto is buddy ben my motto is this i'm old but not dead so yeah. as, long, as long as i can still breathe and I'm still kicking. I'm going to keep on kicking. <laughs> now, one of your other current involvements is taking the microphone at East Perth Eagles home games. Um, <laughs> it, it, it seems like you're having a lot of fun doing that. Is that something yeah. you enjoy? Yeah, I, I really enjoy that. Like, I used to do that at a couple of clubs, and uh, I did it um, just mucking around years and years ago. And, uh, you know, I just look for things that I think will get the crowd excited. Or if a certain player is not playing that much, I kind of politicize to get that guy on the court. And uh, <laughs> I'll give you an example. Years ago, I was emceeing over at East Perth, and uh, there was a player that was sitting on the bench, but I thought, He's only 16, SBL player, but I thought this guy had huge potential. Mm -hmm. 
so I got on the mic, and they were up by about 15 or 16. It's the fourth period, about seven minutes ago. So I started yelling his name. Now, when I yell his name, I think most of you guys will know him now because he plays for the, the Wildcats. So I used to go, Majuk, <laughs> we need Majuk, Majuk, Majuk. And then after a while, the coach would relent. He'd look at me like he wanted to beat me up. <laughs> and about four minutes to go, he put Juk in. And Majuk would get about eight points and four rebounds in yep. about four minutes. So, <laughs> you know, yep. things like that. And, you know, just try to keep the crowd engaged and, and really enjoying the game of basketball because played well, it's a beautiful game. And, and basketball, unlike some other sports, it's really a great teacher of life. Mm. Definitely. And you, and you almost had Ben as your coach at East Perth this year. Almost. I know. I was getting excited about that. So, oh, okay, they're going to get some W's now. Mm. <laughs> Maybe a couple. <laughs> they get some W's now. Yeah. They have a real coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. definitely was excited about that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, Wayne, it's, it's, it's it's been a been a pleasure having you having you on the line. It's, it's been one of the great things about this show that we've started to do this year is just catching up with some greats of the past and just allowing you the chance to share your basketball journey because everyone's got a fascinating story to tell and and I'm sure all, all of our listeners have really enjoyed what you've had to share and hopefully from your point of view you you appreciate the chance to to get out there and and share your story too because otherwise it, it just goes without being told but I think it's a, a story worth telling and. I really appreciate you you sharing it with us on SBL Shootaround. Oh, well, thank you very much. My pleasure. And really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I'm sure I'll see you guys around the traps. Most Absolutely. definitely. Wade, look forward to catching yeah. up. Thanks, Wayne. Okay, back here on SBL Shoot Around, Ben, and that was a that was a fascinating, entertaining, informative chat with with Wayne Simmons. Really glad that you ended up organising him to come on the show this week. Um, you you learn a lot of things when you talk to people on this show, and and hopefully our listeners enjoyed it. But one thing that we didn't get a chance to ask him about that we did run out of time for, we noticed that when we were running through his career stats, that he played he played his last official SBL game in nineteen ninety ninety one when he was at the Giants in Kalgoorlie, but then. He came back for one game in 2002. Now, you, you all, I think you've been filled in on the story behind that, so you might be able to tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, look, um, Wayne was very quick to, to tell me that that was probably the longest hiatus that's ever been uh, <laughs> between an SVL player playing. I think it was 11 years, and the story goes that there was a uni games or something was on, and, and East Perth had lost a few players to that just for that week. So the coach, um, back in the day, he had to have nine players suited up for an SVL game. So he's, he said to Wayne, look, just come up, sit on the bench. You don't have to play or just um, just have you there. You'll make the numbers and we'll contract you and, and away we go. So Wayne jumped on the bus. They got to Geraldton. All the boys went to the hotel room to rest up before the game. And in true Wayne Wayne style, he went for a 10K run uh, just around Geraldton to enjoy the, the beachfront and all that. And he got back and jumped on the jumped on the bus to go to the game and when he walked into the change rooms the coach had written starting point guard Wayne Simmons on the on the board to <laughs> to Wayne's surprise and I think he went out and well, he, he couldn't remember quite what his stats were but he said he held his own out there and was was probably a little bit worse for wear after the run but was was more than happy to be out there mixing it with the young guys yeah I've, I've been able to trace down his stats for the game so he didn't disgrace himself as a 44 year old he still went out and put up put up five points three assists two rebounds he knocked down a three-pointer so 
if if you could do that as a 44-year-old in the SBL, I think you can hold your head up high. I, I huff and puff on the sideline at 46, <laughs> just walking the uh, the 10 metres in front of the bench. So I know Wayne's Wayne's very proud of his um, physical conditioning, as he is of his um, 2011 Pride of Australia award that he won mm. for, for community work with um, with underprivileged people. So, um, yeah, very proud man and was very, very quick to let us know that he did have that, that one comeback game. And his music career was something that we undersold a little bit as well. He was a he was a big time music star. If you were flicking on something like like Rage on ABC, you would have seen a, a Wayne Simmons video video music video music. Definitely, yeah, uh, yeah. There was uh, I think there was solo grooving and and reggae beat, where he's the two that used to frequently pop up. And I I'll show my age here. I do remember going to a Snoop Dogg concert back in the mid nineties here in <laughs> um in Perth, and mm-hmm. one of the opening acts for for Snoop and one of the biggest artists of all time was was Wayne Simmons as well. Wow. So a yeah, very very decorated basketball career and a and a very accomplished music career, as he explained. Yeah, it was a it was a pleasure for us to have him here on SBL Shoot Around. Let's keep moving. As promised, we've got our ultimate SBL Championship team to, to now get, to get stuck into. It's a tournament that we've come up with for, for SBL Shootaround. It's called the NCAA Tournament. So we'll be using the NCAA bracket rules with the, the, the round of 30, 32 to kick things off with. Really excited. We've gone through all, all 31 SBL Championship teams we've had so far, and we've included the last of the district competition championship teams from 19. 19- 88, which just happened to be the East Perth Eagles, and as you'll touch on shortly, it just happens to bring up a hell of a matchup between a father and son with the 1988 championship team up against the 2019 championship team. And you have a look right through, and we've got two of the all-time great Perth Redbacks teams with Andrew Vlahov leading one of them and Sean Reddish leading the other, which which is fascinating. And and right throughout all all 16 of these matchups, there's some incredible individual battles that we would have seen, some great team battles that we would have seen, and. It's not going to be an easy choice to choose who goes through to the round of si- round of sixteen, but that that's where we're going to have a three way voting process. So one of those votes will go to you, Ben. One of those will go to our our old mate Mark Utley, who's now your now your boss at Calamunda, which is which is a bit, a, a bit <laughs> funny to say. <laughs> and also, th- then it'll be our listeners that that give the deciding vote. So we'll put up put up a a graphic for each individual matchup. And then whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, all of our listeners here on SBL Shootaround can cast their votes on which team they thought would have won, and then we'll see who goes through to the next round. So it's going to be a bit of fun over the next month, and that'll take us right into the start of the West Coast Classic. So the timing will be will be perfect. Now, before we go into some of these individual matchups, Ben, what are you most looking forward to about this tournament, and, and how excited are you to go through all of these 32 championship-winning teams that, that, we, that we've had, because we've had some amazing amazing teams and amazing individual talents that, that have graced our courts? I think for me, it's just going back through the history. You, you did an amazing job. You've sent me through a, a spreadsheet of all the championship teams and the players, and and looking at their numbers and their breakdowns, and just finding out those little those little snippets that were there. Things you know, like what Andrew Vlahov averaged in nineteen ninety, and and things like that are just things that have slipped by the wayside that people do know, but they're not just front of our mind. So, and also just generating those discussions. Um, I've, I've shared this with a couple of people, and automatically it just starts the rivalry. You'll see two two people have differing opinions, and and they'll start to debate, you know, why this team would have beat that team. And that's what we want. We want to be talking basketball. We want to be thinking about it and celebrating the history that, that we've got um, within our within our state basketball league. So just really, really excited to see what, what the people think. And um, hopefully we get some some good feedback and um, looking forward to sort of talking through the, the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 as we get mm. deeper into the tournament. 
Yeah, I can't wait to get stuck into it either. I'm going to put you on the spot here. It, it might change as we go through the brackets, and it might depend on who ends up matching up against two. But off the top of your head, of the 32 teams that we've got, who do you think would be the greatest SBL Championship team? Which team stands out to you right now? Can you pick one? Yeah, look, I look at you've got to look at the depth of talent and also, you know, where where those players were going to end up and what they were doing at that time. And, you know, the the that run that the Sour Slammers team had through the mm. mid nineties, that team, they kept that core group together. James Fitch leading the charge. I think they'll go go pretty well. That those early Redbacks teams, whether it was the eighty nine yeah. or ninety team, I think they're just so talent laden. You know, we forget in, in eighty nine the, the Redbacks had a guy by the name of Matt Beeswart who was was pretty much ahead of his time in the way he played. He did everything, absolute stud, and you throw him with a young Longley and Blahoff, they, they're very good. Those one-hit wonders, the teams like the Swan City Mustangs, mm. um, they were just phenomenal. James Jackson, Roland Brooks, Patrick Langlois on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those, those teams, they could they could catch someone. And again, those Perry Lakes teams of the mid-2000s, early 2000s, uh, yeah. just a, an absolute dynasty, four championships in a row and that, that pedigree of success. So uh, you know, those four teams jump off the, off the pace to me, but mm-hmm. again, you know it's going to it's going to come down to to matchups and and tournament play, and they could catch each other and uh, at different rounds and mm-hmm. knock each other out, or one will knock the other one out. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, that, that's the part that I'm looking forward to to see who advances and survive in advance, as they say. Absolutely, I I can't wait. I'm re- I'm really excited by this, and probably that's why we've both spent so much time you know preparing for it over the last 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 week or so because it's it's a great idea and it's something we're both really excited about so we'll run through some of the matchups now we'll run through all of the matchups and then i'll get you to expand on a few of them and then we'll come back on next week's show and we'll announce who who you voted for in each matchup who mark Utley's voted for and also who our listeners have cast their votes for so i'll start by running through all all 16 of these matchups and then then i'll throw to you ben so we've started with the 1988 east perth eagles led led by dan hunt up against the 2019 geraldton buccaneers led by the grand final mvp liam hunt his son so already that's an amazing way to start Next up, we've got the 1990 Perth Redback, led by Andrew Vlahov, as you touched on, who put up some incredible numbers, up against the 2017 Perth Redbacks, led by Sean Redditch. But obviously, both teams went a lot deeper than just, just those two guys, you know, including CJ Jackson and, and Lee Roberts, just to name, name a couple. Then we've got the 1992 Coburn Cougars, up against the 2015 Joondalup Wolves, a team that you know very well. So it'll be fascinating to see how you go voting for a team that you coached playing up against a team that you had a had a lot of time for growing up as, as, you know around the, the Coburn Coburn Cougars then we got the Swan City Mustangs of 1991 they're one-off championship in the SBL and as you touched on they had some stars up against 2016 Coburn Cougars who unfortunately you lost to in that grand final so again that'll be interesting which way your vote goes in in that circumstance the Wanneroo Wolves of 1993 that's a, a team led by Vince Kelly up against the East Perth Eagles of 2014, led by led by Tom Jervis and, and, and Joe Allen Tupaya and Kyle Armour and, and Drew Williamson, another another tough one. Now, Perry Lakes and Lakeside have ended up matching up a few times. So this is their first first of, of a few matchups in the tournament. The 1994 Perry Lakes Hawks, which included CJ Bruden and, and Pete Hansen. And, and as we talked about on Women's SBL Shoot Around a few weeks back, um, Andy Upoff was a player that came from nowhere to star on that team, up against the 2013 Lakeside Lightning, which was was led by Ben Barron and, and Justin Cecil and 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 company there, and Jared Prue obviously, uh, you know, doing his usual thing. 
Then we've got the Southwest Slammers, their first of their big run, their team in 1995, up against the Coburn Cougars of 2012. Again, just you know, amazing matchups when you think James Fitch up against Jeremiah Wilson, and you and you've got you got Brian Colwell there, and you know, I mean, the, the matchups are are incredible. Then we've got the Southwest Slammers again of 1996 against your Wanneroo Wolves of 2011. Um, another another really tough one to to go. Perth Redbacks of 1997, you know, including Dwayne Michaels and Nick Lakovic and, and Matthew Earp and, and and company there from the Redbacks up against the Wilton Tigers team of 2010 that included two NBL, you know, almost superstars at the time, Cam Tovey and, and Daniel Johnson. And as the season unfolded, those two just were unstoppable, leading them to to the title. Um, Southwest Slammers of 1998, again with James Fitch leading the way as the grand final MVP against the Lakeside Lightning with Luke Payne, grand final MVP of 2009. Then we've got again the Southwest Slammers, the last of their run, 1999 championship. Again, James Fitch was was grand final MVP. They had Mark Worthington for a time during that season season as well. Up against the Goldfields Giants, who capped off their back-to-back championship run, you know, with Darnell Dials, who I'm fascinated to hear hear your thoughts on at some point. Michael Haney, who who I got to know quite well when he was coaching the Giants, and you know, obviously he was a fantastic player as an import before that as well. Then we've got the Geraldton Buccaneers, who finally broke through in 2000 to to win to win a title against the Goldfields Giants, who won their first of first of two. So that's another tough one between the two. The two regional regional um, giants of the competition. Now we've got Perry Lakes and Lakeside once again. The 2001 Perry Lakes team against the 2006 Lakeside team. These ones are going to be fascinating, and I'm sure all of the Hawks and Lightning fans will need to get out in force and vote for their teams if they want to see see them advance. Once again, backing it up, Perry Lakes Hawks of 2002, the Lakeside Lightning of 2005. Now fascinating that Lakeside. Lakeside, obviously led by some interesting names there. A- Andy Gilbert is one that I'm sure we will talk about on this show at some point. At some point, Ben. But Perry Lake, Perry, that Perry Lakes team of 2002 went through the season undefeated, but then there was a tough grand final, and even even the grand final MVP went to Stephen Black of the Wilderton Tigers. So they had it all their way throughout the regular season, but obviously a little bit tougher come grand final night. The last one, two Perry Lakes Hawks teams, the 2003 team that ended up. Another tight grand final with Ellen Erickson from Coburn named the grand final MVP, but they come up against the Perry Lakes Hawks of 2004 with Eric Carter there as the grand final MVP. So that's our 16 matchups, Ben. Um, I'll take a breath and hand over to you and, and find <laughs> out and find out which ones really jumped out at you that you might like to expand upon. Well, I, I tried to come up with a, just a, a top three, but as it turned out, I've, that's doubled as, as we went through and just started to look at the, the matchup. So, mm. again, I don't think I could go past that that first matchup of the, the 88 Eagles versus the 19 Buccaneers. Just Dan Hunt versus Liam Hunt, mm. um, Brian Fundingsland versus Dukas. I think that's um, that's a phenomenal matchup. Yeah. Um, and then guys like Ray Chamberlain and, and Pat Cummings, who have got, got young boys that are playing in this league now, um, going up against the, 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 the Bucks as well would be, would be phenomenal. That second matchup there, as we alluded to, um, Andrew Vlahoff averaged 35 points a game versus the scoring machine, Sean Reddidge, would just be phenomenal. Um, Luke Longley versus Lee Roberts. Um, yeah. You just to see how Lee handled that one. Yeah. CJ Jackson um, out there, you know, talk, talking a bit of crap to everyone and then Michael Vigor doing his thing. Craig, Craig Evans, um, tough mm. matchup for anyone, you know, fringe NBL player. 
that's a that's a really good good match up there. This is one that's close to my heart. Um, my you know the the team that I wanted to play for, which was the Coburn Cougars at that stage. Um, Kelly Houston, Alan Erickson, mm. and and a young Martin Catalini going up against the front line of Kevin Davis, Robbie Huntington, Damian Maddox, and Lewis Tim. Yeah. I think that that's a huge matchup. You know, two guys on the fringe of NBL selection, Michael Farrell and um, Trian Iliadis. That's yeah. that's a huge matchup as well. There, jumping forward again to another one close to my heart, James Fitch versus Greg Hire in the '96 yeah. Slammers versus the 2011 Wolves. I mean, uh, rumor has it that Greg High finished, I think, 25th in the MVP voting that year, and mm-hmm. he averaged mid 20s, 17 rebounds, and six assists a game. Um, for me, that that's phenomenal that a kid can average that and earn an NBL contract and not not finish in the top five of MVP votes. Well, it's quite um, quite amazing to me. Well, before we before we move on from that, how does that happen? Does that mean that does that mean that the do, do the coaches come together and decide that they don't? They don't like him. Does what? What happens? How does how does that happen? Because clearly, clearly, he was one of the best players in the league. Unsure how it all works. At the end of the day, um, mm. opposition coaches vote, umpires vote, and and the votes go in. Funnily enough, that's the year that the um, restricted rule came in. The year that Greg got his NBL contract. Um, yep. Suddenly, anyone playing NBL was was classed as a restricted player. So yeah, it's funny how 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 it all works out. But yeah, that that year, I mean. They, to, to sort of um, balance it out, Damian Maddox wins MVP in 2012. So um, it was horses for courses. Yeah, um, yeah. Dam- Damo's a great bloke and goes about his business in a, a little bit different way to what Greg does. Very, very proud players. But yeah, it's funny how, how it goes. Yeah, swings and roundabouts, as we used to say. What you lose on the swings, lie, you get on the roundabout. I mean, the, the yeah, look, don't lie. There's been some big, big numbers put up in the SPL. Um, there's been some surprises in that, that MVP race as well. So, yeah, um, but yeah, look, it just comes down to personal preference, I guess. Um, then, you know, rounding out my top six, um, the, the Slammers at the end of their, their run there, their fourth championship in 99 against the back-to-back Goldfields giant. Um, Daniel Dials, I guess, is someone that had, mm. you would say, NBL athleticism. If you speak to a few of the coaches that looked at him, maybe he didn't have the motor um, to get him there, but definitely, uh, you know, a next-level talent. And then just because it's, it's to me, it's just the sort of thing that I like to discuss, and I'd love to get those Perry Lakes boys gussing this one, the, the 03 Hawks versus the 04 Hawks. The mm. big changes. Between 03 and 04, as far as talent goes, no Matt Burston or Tom Garlop in the 04 team, but still managed to get it done. So yeah. they're my sort of top six matchups, and I'd love to see what people think. But again, you could go through you know, all 16 and, and talk them through. That, that Swan City Mustangs in 91 was as good as anyone. Yeah, so yeah, there's some definitely some great teams there and some, some great matchups. Yeah, there is. We yeah, we could, we could easily go through each of them, but we'll, we'll let our listeners do that for themselves. So, as I said, each each individual matchup will will receive their own post on on social media. So, so we'll we'll spread the love evenly there, and you can cast your votes, and we'll provide provide some info there on on who was part of those teams and how they ended up going through to win the championship. And yeah, you can make make up your own mind. So, we're we're really looking forward to our listeners here on SBR Shoot Around being involved with us in in, in this competition and. Yeah, we, it was probably a good idea for us to get some people involved in coming weeks who who have been part of some of the, some of these lists. So just having a look, as I said, you know, Steve Black won that grand final MVP despite not winning a championship. Had Wilden back in two thousand and two, so it'd be fascinating to get get him to come on and and he's seen a lot of these championship winners close up. So it'd be good to get get his opinion at some point. Andy Stewart obviously was part of all of that success of the Lakeside Lightning, so maybe we can put in a in a cold call to him. Um, Somebody from those Perry Lakes teams would would be fantastic as well. So so maybe we can have a think about getting somebody from those Perry Lakes teams as well. And 
Yeah, over the next few weeks, it'd be especially good to to get their thoughts on this competition too, and and they might might have some teams that they thought would be the the standout winners too. I know someone who's been in contact with me quite a bit is uh, Mike Farrell, the, mm-hmm. the 18-year-old captain of that 1992 um, Cougars team. He's, as I said before, he's up in uh, up in China there um, doing some work. I'm sure he'd love to come on and have a few a few good stories to tell um, about those early times and what it was like on that on that team. I know he shared a couple with me, um, just messaged them to me about a few guys that were knocking about then. So definitely, he'd be one that have a good to have a yarn to. Absolutely, that, that's locking. That's locking him in at some point over the next next few weeks as well. And yeah, some of those other names I mentioned, and there's plenty more as well. So we've got plenty of time here on SBR Shootaround. But every name that you can pretty much think of that you'd like to hear from, we would like to talk to them as well. So if you want to send us through some suggestions on who you'd like us to talk to, then let us know. But for now, this tournament to crown the ultimate SBL championship winning team is something that's got us really excited. As I said, stay tuned to our social media accounts for individual matchups. And by the end of the show next week, we'll be down to the Sweet 16, which is only going to make things tougher once we get to the next round. Yeah, it gets, as we say, survive in advance, and it's mm-hmm. going to come down pretty much to, to that fan vote. Uh, who's going to get through? Because I know Mark and I are probably going to differ on a few of these. So, yeah, I can't see any clean sweeps, really, on the board. So mm. it'd be um, best of three, which is what we've always wanted. So let's get let's get stuck into it. Yeah, absolutely. That's where our listeners are, are, are crucial here. So you'll decide who advances. So make sure you cast your votes, and, and we'll continue on, on our run here to crown the ultimate SBL championship team on SBL Shootaround. Okay, still going here on SBL Shootaround, Ben. It's been a, been another massive show because our, our predictions for how the SBL season 2020 would have panned out was certainly fascinating. Our interview with Wayne Simmons was, 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 was tremendously entertaining and, as I said before, informative and hopefully plenty, everyone got plenty out of that. And also to take a look at our, our round of 32 in the, in the tournament to crown the ultimate SBL championship winning team was certainly, had certainly plenty of fascination about it as well. But we've now had it confirmed since our last show that the West Coast Classic will officially be going ahead. It'll start on July 24. It'll be, you know, every team will end up playing each other once. Um, so it'll be a full round of competition. And then on the week- weekend in September, the, the finals will be played. So it'll be top four. I think the, the, the first two matchups will be played on the Friday, Friday night, from what I understand, and then the grand finals across the weekend. Are you happy with the way the tournament has been announced? And obviously there's some... There's some differing, you know, thoughts on the rules in terms of who's allowed to play and who will be playing for, for each team. And I guess there'll be different seriousness from some clubs like the Perth Redbacks who are throwing everything at it and to maybe someone like the Rockingham Flames based on what Ryan Petrick had to say this week on the, the women's SBL shoot-around show that maybe Rockingham won't be taking it quite as seriously as, as some of the other clubs. Um, so there's, it's going to be fascinating from that point of view. But in general, are you pretty happy with what, what Basketball WA has, has pulled together? For me, I've sort of been on the periphery and, and have had, you know, a little bit filtering through and all that sort of stuff. And look, to be honest, I think people are just happy that something's happening. There, there are, you know, a few people that are disgruntled at the, the way it's been handled and the way that the communication has come out and seems to be a few knee-jerk reactions to a few things that have, that have happened that perhaps could have been taken care of before the announcements were made. But you're not going to keep everybody happy. Um, you know, you've got to just do your best and that tends to be how BWA does things. They, they tend to try and keep as many people happy as they can. But look, I just think we're all happy basketball's back and if teams are saying that they're, they're not perhaps going to take it seriously or they're not going to do this properly or whatever it is, I, I guarantee the, the moment Steve DeConza stands in the middle of the court and 
throws the ball up, start a game, both teams are going to be playing hard, regardless of who's out there. It's you yeah, look at the blitz. Yeah, teams sure. teams go into the blitz and oh, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. Teams take it pretty seriously. That that, that competition starts to flow. You get the, the coaches get that first time out. Um, the players get go to the basket that first time. It doesn't take long for, for the competitive juices to take over. So regardless of what people are saying as to how hard they're going to take it or seriously going to take it, throw the ball up in the air, whether it's down at Lords on a Sunday afternoon or at Bendat Basketball Stadium to, to, for the first game of the season, people are going to play hard. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. Once The players that hit the court will be taking it 100%, but maybe it's a, in terms of the actual players that you have available. So in, in Rockingham's example, I don't know if they'll have, have any imports. I'm not sure Greg Hire will play. So maybe not even, even Ryan Godfrey. So from that point of view, I guess that's where you can manipulate it a little bit and not take it as seriously. But there's no there's no question. Once the As you said, once the ball's tipped off, and if you're a player on the court, every single player will be giving, giving it 100%. That's why, that's why we love this game, and that's why everyone's craving to play it so much and i think that's why the countdown now to july 24 everyone involved is is going to be counting down the days because they just can't wait to to get back on the court and and for someone like me and and people that love to watch the game of basketball we we just can't wait to actually go to a stadium again and get to watch some some live action that's it exactly and again i'm looking forward to sitting on the bench next to mark with my hoodie on and uh and yelling a bit of abuse at people (laughs) as they run up down the court (laughs) can't wait for that either you'll be be it was strange seeing you pop up in an orange and black shirt on, on social media, so it'd be even stranger seeing it happen in person, but we'll all see it in, in little over a month's time. So, yeah, I, I think no matter no matter, no matter matter what Basketball WA came up with, you know, some people would have been, been happier than others with it, but just to get some sort of basketball action together, I think, is something we'll all be happy about. So we've got plenty of, plenty more time over the next next few weeks to, to ha- talk about it in more detail before the action starts. But for now, Ben, I think it's been a massive show already. Hopefully everybody's enjoyed enjoyed listening once again i think i think every show we're getting better we're enjoying it more and more this has been a hell of a ride that we both decided to go on go on together so we're looking forward to continuing it as we now build up to some some real action on the court as well so for, for another week i'll sign off i'm chris pike thanks for joining us on sbr shoot around and i'll leave you in the in the hands of ben etridge to to sign off Oh, I think it's said at the start of the show. Basketball is definitely back. Um, we're all we're all getting those getting those pre pre tournament jitters again. I think because we're we're not far away. Looks like we'll have some NBA to watch very very soon and and things like that. So just uh, remember that we're six weeks ago we weren't able to do this. I know at my domestic game on uh, on Thursday night it did get a little bit serious towards the end, but at the end of the day we're we're, we're playing the game we love and we want to be out there. And we want to be doing it. So uh, we've come through a lot to get to where we are. Let's enjoy it and and especially get around this. Um, NCAA tournament. I, I really want to see what people think and, and how it runs because I I know I've I've done a few mocks all the way through, to, and each time I've come up with a different champion. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing how that goes as well. Yeah.